You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. So, here you are. Too foreign for home. Too foreign for here. Never enough for both. Ijuoma umebinyo. Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced, Produced by Jan. Welcome to Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. Huge thanks to Radio Skid Row for playing our program on Tuesdays at 3.30pm. My name is Ian Shirwa. If you're listening to us live, it is the 29th of March. You heard right, 29th of March. We're almost four months into 2021. Wow, where does the time go by? I don't know, but I can't believe we're almost half, well, not halfway, halfway through, but we are almost there. So on the show this week, we have Shania from the Filipino Youth Collective, Anakbai in Sydney and founder and editor, Hella Ibrahim joins us later in the program. But to kick us off first, I thought we'd play a track and this song comes to us from Barrow, spelled B-A-R-O, and it's a gorgeous track, and the track is called Pretty.
such a great track that was Pretty by Barrow and it comes from his 2017 album Just Problems You Need to Know. So the next segment contains discussions about violence that might be distressing to some of you. If this type of content is a trigger for you, come back in 11 minutes. As usual, call Lifeline on 131114, that's 131114. So over the weekend, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Shania from the Filipino Youth Collective, Anakbay in Sydney. Anakbayan is spelled A-N-A-K-B-A-Y-A-N. So we looked at um, so we looked at the situation back home in the Philippines and we looked at issues that are important to the Filipino community in Melbourne. And Shania also gave us updates on the rally that's organized for Melody Bruno, which is happening this evening. Welcome to Diaspora Blues, Shania. Thank you for having me and my organization, Anakbayan. Well, it's great to have you. I've seen your Instagram posts and it looks like you're doing really important work. So mm-hmm. you're one of the members of Anakbayan in Sydney, a Filipino youth collective. What mm-hmm. was the motivation for starting this group? Anakbayan actually started uh, in the Philippines and Anakbayan is one of Anakbayan Sydney is one of the chapters overseas, particularly in Australia. And um well, as Filipinos, as part of like a migrant community based overseas, uh, you know, Filipinos, especially Filipino youth, felt the need to organize or create a community wherein, you know, we can like share our experiences, talk about like where we come from, politics, uh, everything that involves our ad- identities as Filipinos. Well, I'm glad your group exists because it's really important that young people are like at front and center of issues important to the community. So when you do do work in the community, what does that look like? What type of activities is your group involved with? Well, there are different activities, um, mostly uh, revolving around um, you know, raising the political awareness of like the members and uh, and the community as well, and uh, that's why we organize educational discussions, forums, workshops, solidarity and cultural activities to you know get uh, the message out there, and basically like create links with other groups. Yeah, you said in everything that you do, whether it's like the educational workshops whether it's yep. about, I guess, when you put on events and so on, you said that you wanted to get the message out. What message yep. are you talking about? Basically, Anakbayan is like founded on like principles of advocating for genuine national democracy in the Philippines. So that's what we're actually trying to get out there, that uh, the Philippines, you know, it's experiencing a major economic and social uh, issues and I think it's like worth recognizing the the power that the youth can do to change things, you know, talking about systematically. And yeah, and that's why we mobilize and organize for it. You did mention that Anakbayan is one chapter of an international movement. Yep. Let's focus on Australia. What mm-hmm. issues are of concern to the Filipino community? For one, we should recognize the like 
primary reasons why Filipinos uh, migrate overseas. That's why, you know, Filipinos are like based overseas because Filipinos migrate to find and build better lives to suffice what they don't receive in the home country, mm. which is like the lack of social services, um, experiencing killings, basically those things. And sadly or unfortunately, the majority of Filipinos still end up in the same struggle to survive even overseas because of you know layers of oppression that migrants still experience, you know, such as racism, gender issues. Which is obviously very important. I was on your Facebook page and I saw that you were part of a protest um, in support of, I think it was um, activists and unionists. Um, Mm -hmm. What's happening in the Uh, Philippines when it comes to, to activists? What's the issue at the moment? Yeah, I know that everyone is not familiar with what's happening in the Philippines currently. But under the Duterte government, he institutionalized this uh, law called the anti-terror law to justify the state-sponsored killings of activists and even just normal citizens who are demanding for like their democratic rights, for like better healthcare, better so- social services, better education. But what the government like gives to them or res- responding to them is like you know basically killings, illegal detainment. So. What happened when uh, we mobilized for that protest action was uh, seven like unionists, like seven activist organizers were recently killed by the Duterte government because they, they were organizing for like fighting for their rights in the Philippines. Just hearing you talk about what's happening in the Philippines and considering the work that you do here, um, yep. knowing that you can go out on the street and protest without, I guess, the threat of police and so on. How does that make you feel knowing the position that you're in and the power that you have to get the word out? Well, it's kind of a mixed emotions because obviously people like me who are based overseas who don't experience that kind of fascism that Filipinos experience in the home country is like, you know, it's like it gives us more freedom to express and to get the message out there. But it's also a kind of, I guess, heartbreaking too. It's incredible. It's incredible, Shania, because like when I think about, without saying names, that people, when they kind of travel overseas, they sort of immerse themselves in the community and and by the community, I mean the wider community and kind of forget about the issues back home. So Mm -hmm. to hear you talk about how you're still connected, how you're still fighting, how you're still trying to bring awareness, it's it's very impressive. Um, I have another question and feel free not to answer it as well but as you know we've seen a spike in anti-Asian violence not just in Australia but in the West. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this and also is it an issue that is of a priority to the collective and what are you guys doing? Yeah very much yeah because um, well I believe that racism and the things that we are experiencing as part of the Filipino diaspora and migrant community is very much, you know, uh, important to talk about because it's an issue more than racism that we experience to be uh, socially excluded because of our color, of our race, and that adds up to the layers of oppression that we are experiencing in 
countries that were settling in. Your group is part of a rally that's organized, or well, that's being organized for Melody Bruner on the 29th of March. Tell us about this protest. And for listeners who don't know about Melody Bruner, can you tell us about her life and why you're calling for justice? Uh, well, um, for us, Melody, uh, of course, is not the first victim of like this miscarriage of justice because there are a lot of Filipinas, uh, trans women, people of color who are like treated unequally in the face of the court. And at a time right now, it's very much important to mobilize for things like this because we cannot like go on with this kind of system, with this kind of like image of justice that is like obviously biased. And well, Melody, uh, her case is obviously being, as what the media has released already, being reopened on Monday and her perpetrator is said to be resentenced. But uh, the collective uh, believes that the possibility of having the, the suspect resentenced is not, is not an excuse to cancel, you know, mobilizing it's more than just melody. It's about also about the system that continues to oppress people of color, uh, people of uh, other genders and sexes, and you know basically everyone who doesn't even dis- deserve this kind of injustice to happen to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, love, love that you said it doesn't stop, even if he sentenced your fight for melody and our fight for melody anyone who cares about justice doesn't end there yeah and I love that you called it a miscarriage of justice because anyone that's read into this case the way the media has taken apart this woman's life it's like you know it's like they're framing it as an error then it's like justice cannot be like handled like that it's not to be like there's no autocorrect function there's no like control out delete function it's a life of the person you're talking about and I'd be curious to know if it had been like let's say a white woman in place of malady like would the judge have made those kind of comments would the media have been as horrific and as just I guess, transphobic. Those are questions that are important to think about because, as you know, people aren't treated equally. Certain bodies are valued more than others. Finally, how can our listeners support your collective? Uh, well, as I've mentioned earlier, um, Anak Bayan Sydney is just one of the chapters here in Australia and overseas. So if any Filipino listener is interested to join our collective, um, you can just message Anakbayan Sydney on our socials at Anakbayan Sydney. We also have a chapter in Melbourne. It's Anakbayan Melbourne. So yeah, you can pretty much find them on the social medias too. Regardless if you're Filipino or not and just interested to know more about what's happening in the Philippines, participating in like uh, our campaigns uh, that we're currently um, organizing and just want to show solidarity and support they can always get involved and uh, connect with us through our socials perfect thank you so 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 much Shania yeah thank you so much for having me too 
Oh, so lovely. That was Shania from the Filipino Youth Collective, Anakbayan Sydney. Anakbayan is spelled A-N-A-K-B-A-Y-A-N. The rally for Melody Bruno is on the 29th of March at 5.30pm outside the Sydney Town Hall, which is this evening. You can hit up the group on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Anakbayan Sydney. Once again, Anakbayan is spelled A-N-A-K-B-A-Y-A-N. If anything we've discussed has been upsetting, please call Lifeline on 131114 or call Q Life on 1-800-184-527. Their telephone services are available from 3pm to 12 midnight every day of the week. Q Life is an anonymous and free LGBTI peer support and referral service. Like everyone, people who are LGBTIQ+, can experience suicidal thoughts. Living Works deliver workshops that give you the knowledge to help others in the LGBTIQ+, community. Thanks to Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network, from now until the end of May, Living Works is offering workshops for the LGBTIQ+, community completely for free. Visit livingworks.com.au to learn how you can help save a life. Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program. On the line, we have the wonderful Hella Ibrahim. Hella is an editor with a passion for activism through the arts. She works in comms for a student advocacy organization on weekdays and is the founder and editorial director of Jed Press, an online publication that provides paid platform for black creatives and other creatives of color. Welcome to the show, Hella. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so good to have you. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but as I was reading your bio, I made sure to emphasize the word paid, which is something that you that. <laughs> which is something you did when you sent it to me. So tell me why did you try well, why did you specify the word paid? Why is that important to you? Ah, oh, well that's that's a really long that's a long one, but I'll try to keep it short. Um uh, the arts is underpaid. Okay. I mean, we'll just say that the arts is underfunded and it is underpaid. And there is an expectation that we will work for free and we will be grateful for it. We'll be grateful for the opportunity to um, have a little exposure. And it's upsetting, right? Because, like, as recently as, God, two days ago, I hit someone up and I'm like, hi, like, I, are you available to do some editing work? I'm going to need some help in a month or two. And the first thing they asked was, is it paid? And and I was like, well, of course it is. Jed doesn't do anything mm-hmm. that isn't paid. And they were like, yeah, oh, you know, I just recently got a job offer that, you know, I was surprised to find wasn't paid. So I'm like, wow, this is still happening. Like, it's 2021 and mm-hmm. we're still being asked to profit other people with no compensation. It is just infuriating, really. So I do try to emphasize that we do pay. Um, anybody who works with us gets paid one mm-hmm. way or the other. Good, you good. Know I mean, I don't mean one way or the other. I mean yeah. with actual money. <laughs> I figured that. I figured you weren't like bartering or anything like that. No, but it's so good that you do let people know and that you emphasize that it is paid. And one writer I'm thinking about who also talks about, you know, people expecting her to do things for free, a writer who's also established. So I'm talking about Roxanne Gay, who people still try to get free stuff from her. And I wonder... Um, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I wonder if it's a thing that people expect from women of color or writers of color for them to, I don't know, to be grateful and to come from the position of, 
you know, you're being offered an opportunity when really all writing should be compensated? Yeah, I mean, I, I I always say writing is work, and any work that you do should be compensated. But it's so it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I'm thinking it's it's partly disrespect for the arts itself, for the form. So it's like I don't know why people don't value you know a, a story or a piece of news media, or I mean not news media, but you know television or or art or whatever. Like everybody walks around enjoying it. Everybody loves Melbourne because we're a hub of culture. But then when you're like, hey, this stuff actually costs money to produce and, hey, this is actually labor, this mm. is my work, I'm actually an expert in this, they're like, well, no, you should be doing your little paintings and writing your little stories for free. And it's like there is this huge disrespect for the arts as a form, which I think is actually, you know, we can look at government policies around arts funding and just, like, there's, there's uh, big reasons for that. Um, but there is also the adage, as you say, as you point out, women of colour, um, for so... For somebody like, you know, for my writers who, although I do think they're all amazing and incredible and should be as famous as Roxanne Gay, you know, I can I can understand why an arts organization, I mean, I can't understand, but I can see the thinking that would lead an arts organization to be like, oh, you know, you should be like absolutely just flattered that we're even looking at your work. You should be jumping at the chance. But I'm like, for somebody like Roxanne Gay, who even even having her anywhere near your work will, will raise the profile and will raise the value of whatever this organization is doing like and for the the the, the nerve of them to, to to be like you know come do some work for free and it is i think it's just a complete disrespect like i i think it's a disrespect and i think it's entitlement mm. to spaces and i think that this you know we've been challenging this idea that like and i say this all the time but this culture of underpaid and unpaid work in that is just rife any everywhere in the arts um it just doesn't get challenged or like i mean it does get challenged but it's not challenged on mass and like all, like people are still writing for free and people still think it's okay and i'm like i wouldn't go fix somebody's sink like if that was my job if i had trained to to fix someone's sink i wouldn't do that for free and i'm mm. like I realize it's more of a hands-on, you know, technical thing and there is probably a tangible outcome, you know, your water's running or whatever it is. But I'm like, there are tangible outcomes to you reading a nice story or there are tangible outcomes to you enjoying, uh, you know, a dance routine, right? Uh, but it's, it's, and I don't understand the, the, the disconnect between the two where it's like, why is one okay to be paid and the other one not? And I, I mean, this is where Jed, like, started, right? Where it's like, I'm just... I'm confused and I'm angry and I'm I'm done with this. Like, let's get you guys paid. Mm, 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 mm. I think you also hit it on the nail um, because you did say that it's the way that the art industry is looked at. It's the uh, and this is reflected in the way that they're given funding and the lack of funding. You know, it's seen as something that you do for fun, as you do it as like a luxury. It's not something that you know you put a lot of hours, a lot of emotional labor into it. I think. That's something that we cannot say enough of. I had two questions prepared for you, so I'm going to put those two questions together. <laughs> so first one was, can you tell us what the journey has been like, the publication being out there in the world? And also, when you were getting it started, what was that like? What kind of challenges did Jed Press face trying to get it off the ground? Ah, that's, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. So getting Jed started wasn't actually that, complicated i guess 
um, it just in terms of, you know, actually putting the pieces together. And this is just going back to what we were talking about for a second. You know, it is it is a craft. It, like editing and publishing is something that I've actually studied, like at a university level. I've put in a lot of hours. I've done like I've got 10 years of experience in my pocket. And so when we say like this is actually a skill that I should that, you know, we should be paid for. Um, that's what we're talking about. So putting Jed together, I, I did have... Uh, like a backlog, I guess, of knowledge. And so I've always, I, I always joke that Jed, in my head, all Jed is, is just me with a laptop. Because that's basically how it started, you know. Like, I decided to do something and I put together a, a WordPress website. That being said, that does kind of oversimplify it. You know, to get it off the ground, there was a lot of, like, you know, without the help of, you know, peers and friends, supporting me and giving me ideas and mm. you know my Jed was initially called Hella Loud because I'm a narcissist and like thankfully my designer the, the person who designed my logo Asia Tufa did stop me halfway through and went hey um a little bit AAVE there and I was like oh you know what totally right and so I came, so you know spent some time coming up with a different name and that's how Jed came came about and you know um in terms of what we published, I consulted, not consulted, but, you know, I had many chats with friends and like, so, so it would be, I think, uh, wrong uh, to, to, to claim that I just like created it out of nowhere because I've had help every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God. Thank God for women of color and thank God for black women. Like, oh God, it's, mm. it's been having that support. Amazing. Yeah. I um, remember in terms of the actual, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. You know, no, I was just, I don't know how important it is, but I was just thinking about when you were starting off, you were looking for designers and I remember you um, put up a post on uh, like a woman of colour Facebook group asking for a designer and I remember reaching out to you and going, hey, I think I know someone who could do your logo for you and I just love that we have that, that we can sort of tap into each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having networks is is I can't under I can't understate how incredibly important it is to have a network around you, to have a community around you. Like honest to God, Jed could not have been possible, wouldn't just not have been possible without community mm. and without like and without all the work that 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 was done before. Like Jed, I could not I don't think I could have started Jed ten years ago because the space wasn't really right for it. Like there's been a lot of people historically for decades pushing for space and trying to create it and I'm just building off the work of like those who came before me um in that sense because it's like I Jed could not have like if it wasn't if diversity hadn't been a hip new trend at the time mm-hmm. I couldn't have got it off the ground and so I really think yeah. again it is really important to acknowledge how much work and how much history goes into something like this because yeah fundamentally all I did was start a wordpress site put out some like you know, feelers for like, hey, does anybody want to submit? And from the get-go, I've said it was paid. And, you know, it does sound simple in that sense, but there's just huge amounts of work that went on around it and through it. Absolutely. Um, I know because I'm running really short for time, so I want to get this (laughs) final question in because it's so important. Tell us about the editorial mentorship program in 60 seconds. What can people who apply for this program expect? You can expect a comprehensive overview of editing. You can expect that in 10 weeks, you'll come out feeling like you actually know what to do. In like, If you get an editorial job with a magazine, with a publisher, whoever, you will. You can expect to, you can expect to meet um, different people in the industry. You can expect to, yeah, to, to really hone your skills there. Like, it's really going to be an intensive, like, by the end of 10, by the end of 10 weeks, you should come out of there an editor. Beautiful. Wow. You did that in 60 seconds. Thank you so much, Hella. Thank you.
That was Hella Ibrahim from Jed Press. Jed Press. Jed is spelled D J E D. We want to thank all of our guests today: Hella Ibrahim from Jed Press, um, Shania from Anakbayan, Sydney. Anakbayan is spelled A N A K B A Y A N. See you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.